Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here, either in person or watching online. We're in a series called For Our City. Today's topic is Desperate for What's Best. And hopefully it'll make a little more sense in a few minutes. So let me ask you a simple question. How is your pain level? The pandemic, this season in our lives, has caused a lot of pain. For logical reasons, obvious people get sick, like our president. Uh, Some people die. But our lives have been changed forever. So there's pain of change. There's pain of some people losing jobs. There's some pain of people losing relationships. There's pain of some people losing their houses. Uh, I think some parents have the pain of educating their children. Uh, are my children going to learn this way, et cetera, et cetera? When the school's going to be open? Is it safe to send? There's all kinds of pain because change brings, brings pain. So how, how are we dealing with it? What are we doing? to deal with the pain. One way our culture, our society is dealing with it, it's unfortunate, is through the opioids. And so I asked the question, I want to ask the question, what is driving the opioid crisis? What's driving it? I was amazed at this statistic. Minimum of 75% of the people that are addicted to heroin or some other drug started with a prescription drug. I don't know your impression of people that are drug addicts, but maybe they're, you know, people on the street and stuff like that. No, 75% at least started with some doctor prescribing a pain medicine. And it went from there to where they are now. There's been a 46%, in our area, a 46% increase since in uh, drug overdoses since COVID hit. And we might say, well, it's the the problem out there, but it's not the problem out there, it's a problem in here. It's our society, it's our culture, it's our city, and it's our people. Uh, some of you know my, my niece Jessica did her funeral a couple of years ago, 33 years old, overdose. Almost everybody I know knows someone close to them that is suffering through this problem. Our na- old neighbor at our care home, her grand- grandson just recently overdosed. Um, For many people, it's trying to deal with the pain in life. But we all do it. And we all, almost all of us probably, do it sometimes inappropriately. What we do is we self-medicate to cope with our pain. In some places, some things are not socially acceptable, like drugs. But many of these self-medications are socially acceptable. Drinking is socially acceptable. Uh, shopping, um, sexual addictions, depending on uh, who you are, uh, food addictions, uh, gambling. There's all kinds of ways we try and deal, um, binge-watching TV or whatever, ways to self-medicate, to try and cope or deal with our pain. Uh, It's all temporary. It doesn't solve the, the source of the pain. But that's what we do. We try and self-medicate. Call it the drug of choice. What is your drug of choice? What is my drug of choice? So consequently, what's the answer? All those ways aren't the answer, obviously. So what's the answer? And it gets worse. When we get in these addictions, often it brings along with it a a sense of shame. I shouldn't be doing this. I should be able to stop this. I should be more self-disciplined. This is causing me issues. It's causing... People I care about issues, and it's just a snowball effect. 
So what's the answer? And if you're Jesus following, if you're not, we're glad, glad that you're watching. This is an issue that affects everybody. Uh, but where is God in our desires and addictions? Where is God? As a Jesus follower, where is God? If you're not a Jesus, is there a God? And if there is, where is He in this problem? Now, I think we often fall into one of two extremes here. We see God as the judge, saying, okay, you're a failure, you messed up, you keep messing up, you should be better, you should do better, and we feel condemned by God. On the other side, there's this idea, I think, that, okay, I'm a Jesus follower, I shouldn't have any of these issues, I shouldn't have any problems, I shouldn't have any addictions, I shouldn't have any pain. Now we're going to, as we've been doing, we're going to look at something called the Sermon on the Mount that was recorded for us by this guy named Matthew, who became a Jesus follower, and uh, he was an outcast in the society because he was a tax collector, and Jesus treated him as uh, a person, and he responded to that, of course. And Jesus went around healing the sick and, and so forth, and so consequently, many people in his day saw Jesus as the pill, the fix. Uh, you heal my body. He'll throw off the Romans. He'll fix our culture, our society. Everything will be good if, you know, we crown Jesus our king. And so they were misguided, as we often are misguided when we think Jesus is going to solve everything. So we're looking at the beginning of the sermon, which we call the Beatitudes, and we're looking at one each week that Jesus elaborates on longer, later on in the sermon. And the one we're looking at today is in verse 6 of chapter 5 of Matthew. It says simply this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. We'll explain righteousness in a minute. For they will be satisfied or filled. Hunger and thirst are like craving. What do you and I crave? Well, in addiction, we crave those other things, either shopping or food or sex or, or binge-watching TV. Or you can fill it in with your or my addiction. I was addicted to long-distance running at one point in my life. Uh, seemed like a good thing, but if you're addicted to it, it's not a good thing. If it becomes a craving, uh, a desire, you can't be happy without it. A fuller explanation of that verse or translation of that verse is this. Blessed, joyful, and nourished by God's goodness. I like that phrase. Nourished by God's goodness. We're blessed when we're nourished by God's goodness. He says, well, one way to be blessed by God are for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And an explanation of that is those who actively seek right standing with God. Actively, not passively, or not ignore it. Actively seek right standing with God. For they will be, and I love this word, completely satisfied. And it didn't matter how far I ran, I wasn't completely satisfied running. It doesn't matter how much you eat, you're never completely satisfied. No matter how many drugs you take, you're never completely satisfied. No matter how much money you spend, you're never completely satisfied, are you? Summarize it this way. Our greatest desire, should have put in there, should be <laughs> to do what God requires. If you want to be blessed, hunger and thirst for righteousness, Make it your greatest desire, your greatest craving to do what God requires. Now, righteousness has got a couple definitions, like two sides of the same coin. And so I'm going to try and explain that, help you all understand. 
One is simple definition or understanding is to do what's right, righteousness, or do what's just. So if you say some person is acting righteously, they're acting rightly, or doing what's right. Uh, in, a, in a church realm, we might say they're being holy. But there's a whole other side of the definition of righteousness. It's an attribute of God. God is righteous. And since he's righteous, he does what's right or does what's just. The problem is we not only have to do what's right, we have to be right. Now, I wrote that on the outline if you printed that out or put it on the screen. <clears throat> so acting righteously is doing what's right, but we also have to be right in relationship with God. And we've all messed that up. I've never met a perfect person. Uh, if you're perfect, please get in touch with me. I'd like to meet you. Uh, but I've never met one. So we've all messed that relationship up with a holy God, a righteous God. So what do we do about it? Well, there's lots of places in the Bible, obviously, you would know that would address this topic. So we're just going to look at two verses in a book called Romans that a guy named Paul wrote to the church there. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 21 says this. Now, God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. That's good, right? There's a way. Some people complain. We're a little narrow saying there's one way, but I'm glad there's at least one way. And He's going to explain it to us. And this is without keeping the requirements of the law. So that's without living a righteous life. Okay? It's a little tricky. We can be made right with God or righteous, but not by being righteous because none of us can be righteous. Hopefully that makes sense. So he goes on to explain it. We are made right with God, how? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ as the, the solution, the answer to our unrighteousness. And this is true for everyone. It's not just true for religious people or unreligious people, males, females, black, white, everyone. Everyone's included. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who you are, or what you've done, or how long you've done it. It's all irrelevant. How righteous or irrighteous, I guess that's, I don't think that's the word, irrighteous, you and I are. That's irrelevant in being made right with God. Now, there's a law of physics that I was, somebody explained to me this week that I'm going to use to hopefully help you and me understand. It's proportionate, law of disproportionate um, something, solutions or... Anyway, all right, this is a clean glass of water, got it out of the tap. Now, if I was to take a spoonful of sewerage and put it in there, what would this glass be full of then? Only a spoonful. It automatically becomes full of sewerage, correct? Let's think about it the opposite way. Glass is full of sewerage. I put a spoon of clean water in there. What do I have? Still have sewerage. All right, that's that, that physics law of disproportionate something or others. <laughs> All right? Well, that explains you and I relationship with God. Maybe you're a really good person, way better than me. But you've done something wrong. You've got at least a tablespoon of sewerage in that glass. So what are you? What am I? <laughs> the Bible describes this way. We're all separated from God. God's righteous. I'm not righteous. We're separated. 
So what do I do about it? Well, he, he said, by faith in Jesus Christ, I can't be righteous. Jesus, you are righteous in my place. You died and didn't deserve to die, so you can die in my place. If I confess my sins, accept that gift. We'll talk about this a little bit in a few minutes, but God declares us righteous. He declares that glass clean. As amazing as that is, and we'll continue to talk about this in a minute. So what drives addiction? Addictive behavior, what drives it? Well, it's that sewage in us, you and I. That's what drives it. C.S. Lewis, most of you have heard of him. He wrote the Narnia Chronicles. He explained it this way. I love this. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, whether it's drugs or food or sex or gambling or binge-watching TV, or, the list goes on and on. None of those fully satisfy. Temporarily, maybe, but never fully satisfy. So the most probable explanation for this is that I was made for another world. I'm not a pet owner. Some of you are pet owners. You love your pets. Um, pets don't deal with this, right? They don't deal with that. If you're a good pet owner, your pet's happy. They're not made for another world. I believe pets are going to be in heaven, but they weren't made for that purpose. But you and I were. And so, if we can't satisfy that desires, if we have addictive behaviors that can't be stopped, then there's a other explanation. We would say a spiritual explanation. So what's the answer? Again, what's the answer? Not just to the opioid crisis, but the, this crisis in us that results in, in <clears throat> addictive behaviors. And going back to our uh, sermon title, if you want to call it that, message title, be satisfied with what's best. And all those addictions aren't what's best because they don't satisfy for one. So what is it that satisfies? Or what best satisfies? I said it another way, um, help you try and remember. We must want what's best rather than settling for less. And if I was to ask you simply, when you want what's best rather than settling for, le settling for less, everybody can say yes. Well, none of these other things satisfy or fully satisfy. They, they only numb the pain. It's only temporary. So how do we deal with the, I'm going to call it the root of the problem, the source of the problem? And we're going to say it this way. God's grace is what's best. In fact, that's that only way to be made right with God. So let me kind of give you an illustration. I don't know if there's going to be Halloween this year, but we've all had Halloween in the past, and we've all probably been kids and got that bag of candy. And when you get that bag of candy and when you get home with it, what do you want to do? You just want to eat it all. I mean, just eat as much as you can. Now, hopefully your parents were smart enough to say, okay, you know, here's a couple for today and the rest are going to save. Otherwise, you're going to get sick eating candy. We all would do that. Uh, another illustration would be kids. When it's their bedtime, why does a kid refuse to want to go to bed when it's his bedtime? They're caught up in something. They, it, it's not what's best for them to stay up, <laughs> but 
as a parent, you say, okay, you need to go to bed because this was best for you. So what's best for you and I, the only thing that really gets to the source of the issue of our addictive behavior and our unrighteousness is God's grace. Because it deals with the cause, not the symptoms. Most of the time you go to the doctor and you're sick, they just treat the symptoms. They don't fix it. Common cold, you can't cure the common cold. You just treat the symptoms. But in Jesus, we have the cure not just treat symptoms. We have what truly satisfies, completely satisfies. Now, coming to Jesus, and most of you probably listening to me are Jesus followers. Some of you aren't. We would pray that you would take that step. But it's only the first step. And if somebody comes and says, just come to Jesus and all your problems will be solved, don't pay any attention to them. Uh, they're snake oil salesmen. That doesn't fix it automatically. I'll give you a, a sad example from uh, my family's life. My sister's here. Growing up, we didn't go to church until my parents were probably in mid-late 30s. My mom got saved first, entered into a relationship with God. Both my parents smoked all their lives. Uh, my mom stopped smoking just like that. It's all, all, she, all she needed. My dad got saved a couple of years later, tried to stop, stopped for a short amount of time. Couldn't stop. And I, as I think about it today, I wish we would have got him some other help. But consequently, addictive behavior, died at 45 from emphysema. So, Jesus in himself isn't enough. Well, no, I, it sounds, sounds hypocritical or irreligious. But no, get into an addiction program if you have an addiction. Get in some kind of accountability problem. Get into AA or Al-Anon. Get, get into a small group. Find somebody you can trust. They can help you through that, whatever that shortcoming, weakness that you have. Take the medication. Go see the doctor. Go to counseling. I've been to marriage counseling. I've been to individual counseling. Get whatever help it takes. Please, 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 make sure you've taken the first step. It deals with the, the cause, not just the symptom. So later on in this, this teaching, Jesus brings this topic up again. And his audience would have just, this would have blown away. They would have not understood what he said. This is in verse 20 of that chapter. He says, I warn you, unless your righteousness, there's that word, is better than the righteousness of teachers of religious law and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, <clears throat> these people that Jesus is referring to were professional religious people. They spent all day being religious, if that makes sense. Praying and reading their Bible and fasting and all these things. That's what they did 24-7. That's what they did. And Jesus said, well, you've got to be more righteous than them. You've got to do more good stuff than them if you're going to go to heaven. How, how could I do that? I've got, you know, I've got a life, I've got to work, I can take my... I can't spend all day doing that stuff. And so he gives some specific illustrations or examples. He says, okay, you've heard it been said, it's actually in Ten Commandments, don't kill. Well, I say to you, it's, I don't say worse than that, it's harder than that, you shouldn't, you can't even hate somebody. Uh-oh. I have never killed anybody, but I've certainly hated people. Uh, 
Don't commit adultery. Well, I've never done that. Well, no, it, it, it's, it's, it's harder than that. You, you can't ever lust after another person. Oh, well, I messed up there. And then he gets to, we get, uses some more examples, and then he gets to this kind of summation of this impossible righteousness. You heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I don't think the law said to hate your enemy. But anyway, love your neighbor. But I say, love your enemies. The law certainly didn't say that. Pray for those who persecute you. Wow. Man, I don't know if I can do that. So the audience is sitting there saying, this is impossible, this is impossible. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? So obviously Jesus' goal was to say, yes, righteousness is impossible for you to do on your own. You need me. You need to turn to me. So I'm going to, we know after the fact, that God did what we couldn't do to satisfy God's righteousness so we could be righteous. So God, this is amazing. If you're a Jesus follower, God sees you as righteous, perfectly righteous. With all that garbage in my life, all that pain in my life, yes, that's the way God sees you because of Jesus, as amazing as that is. So consequently, you and I need to be satisfied, fully satisfied with God's grace. We shouldn't need these other things to deal with our pain. He's talking about a faith that acts. Even if you step across that line and accept Jesus as your, as your Savior and Lord, it's not just a, a faith act. It's not just an intellectual act. It's an act that lives itself out. So, yeah, I used to be addicted to this. But with other people's help and God's grace, I, I, I don't need to be addicted to this. I don't need to try and Numb my pain with these, this or that, whatever it might be. Now, when you talk about God's grace, this is always so important. God's grace is a free gift to you and I. But it's the most costly thing in the universe. You ever get an email saying, hey, I want to send you something free, and then you click on it and it says, oh, plus shipping and handling? <laughs> um, it's not free then, is it? Well, God's grace is absolutely 100% free. You just have to receive it. But it cost God His only Son. It didn't just cost Him to leave, a huge cost for Him to have to leave heaven and come and, and have a living on earth in a body for 33 years. Uh, but the pain of living in a body, broken relationships and being mistreated and uh, betrayed eventually and being physically tortured and then literally suffering the pain of a cross, physical body, spiritual separation from God. Excuse me. Jesus said, why, why, God, God, why are you forsaking me? I don't deserve to be forsaken. He was forsaken because you and I had to be forsaken by God so that we would no longer be forsaken by God. So Jesus is better than, let me just put that way. Jesus is better than, you fill in the blank whatever your addictive behavior is. Because it truly heals. It doesn't just numb. He doesn't. So consequently, those of us that experience God's grace, it should overwhelm us. 
So what, what do we do? Well, finish with this. Share what's best by offering God's grace. Give it away. Maybe think of this, well, two verses in this Old Testament prophet by the name of Isaiah. Let me just read that to you quickly. Amazing. This is before Jesus and before uh, we call New Testament Christianity. Is anyone thirsty? Oh, we all get thirsty at times. So come and drink, even if you have no money. Well, you're out someplace where you have to, you know, go to a restaurant or something, get something to drink, you have to pay for it. Say, so, no, 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 it's all free. And it's not just water, it's wine, milk, you know, we've got a variety of things. It's all free. So why would you spend all money what does not satisfy? Why spend your wages still and still be hungry? Why do you and I get sucked into this addiction or that addiction that doesn't fully satisfy? And many of these costly. It costs money to, to go on a shopping spree. It costs money for these drugs, alcohol, whatever it might be, gambling, whatever. It costs. If it doesn't cost you physically, it costs you emotionally. And we talked about the shame and guilt that might come with it. He says, listen to me and do what I say, and you will enjoy the best food of all. What is the best food of all? This being a recipient of God's grace. We have an expression, misery loves company. <laughs> and we all have fallen short. So let's be filled with what's best. Let's be filled with God's grace. Because as I said last week, what fills, spills. And let me just kind of make this a little more specific. I don't know what addictive behavior you, you've overcome, whatever pain you've worked yourself through. It doesn't even have to be addictive behavior. I was thinking about Miss Brenda and I. Uh, many of us knew her and loved her and are grieving. That's a natural part of life. That's a, a pain. But you know who could best probably minister to Joe? Her husband is somebody who's literally lost their spouse, especially their wife. I haven't experienced that. Uh, maybe someday I will. Uh, one day, one of, you know, all of us that are married, one of our spouses are going to die. We're going to experience that. Maybe we're addicted to drugs and you, you conquered it. And who better to go alongside somebody that's dealing with that pain and that struggle than someone that, that's conquered it. We are to be God's response to the hurt and the pain in our city. And you say, well, I don't know what I can do about the opioid crisis. Well, let me give you a specific thing. We got this email a week or so ago. There's a teenager battling with addiction in Smithsburg that's in a program in Frederick. He needs a ride in the morning to Frederick. He needs a ride home from Frederick five days a week. And then they need backup drivers in case on someday somebody can't do it. And that may not fit your schedule. It may fit your schedule. That's just, just one out of many suggestions. So we're going to put this information on the prayer list. And you can go there if you feel compelled to help this teenage boy. I think it's a boy. Whatever your issue is, get help. First and foremost, 
take care of that sin issue, that separation that you and I have with God, and then get what other help you need. So I'm going to end with the same think about today, and that's what breaks your heart or who breaks your heart. Maybe it's a drug addict. Maybe it's the alcoholic. Maybe it's a person addicted to, to cigarettes like my dad. Maybe it's somebody that's a shopaholic. Uh, food addiction. Talk about food addiction. I, uh, my wife, years ago, um, felt compelled. It broke her heart to see people struggling both spiritually and, and with food. So she did this first place program for years here at our church. And then alongside of that, she got... It was her passion to, to help, you know, people need to exercise, that our bodies are made to move. And so she started a, uh, you know, Christian um, exercise program. One reason, I'm telling her a little bit, one reason she started doing that was she, wanted, she needed to do it, and she knew she wouldn't do it unless she had to lead it. <laughs> so she started teaching body and soul, because then she had to be there because she had to teach it. She just not doing either one now. Other things on her heart. So what breaks your heart? Of course, all of these things, I believe, breaks God's heart. So which one is he saying, you need to be my response? You need to be involved. You need the person, be the person to help. Pray about this. Open our eyes and look and obey. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you so much. This is a complicated issue, I know, and I just touched on it. Um, it's frustrating to me that, that, that even as Jesus follows, many of us struggle with these addictions. And uh, God, forgive us for that. We don't believe that's honoring to you. But we especially want to pray for those that, in, our, in our culture, that are, in our society that just don't know how to deal with the pain. And we shouldn't condemn them. God, we need to come alongside them and say, hey, how can we help? First and foremost, there's Jesus you need somebody to come alongside you to support you, to drive you to whatever it is. So God, I would pray that each of us would make, pray that prayer, what can I do to help? And for anyone that's not a Jesus follower, we would just pray that you would take time to seriously think about if nothing else satisfied, maybe there's something inside. We would say something spiritual that only God can satisfy. And we'd love to help you with that. If you've got questions with that, if you're thinking about that, um, please let us know. We pray for you now that you would step across that line. If you do step across that line, please, you'll need a lot of help, just like anybody else dealing with uh, some pain in their life. So, God, we thank you that you're the answer. Um, and with, uh, with your church and with other people uh, and with science and medicine, that there's answers to all these issues. Thank you that we live in a world where we have these resources. God, help us to be wise enough to take advantage of them. And give us the courage and strength to follow through. God, all of this we pray for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.